I want to continue on with the parables, but today Mina suggested that we do a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I think either next week or week after, Mina would preach a few of the sermons from this series. Uh, but uh, look forward to Mina preaching. I am because I get to take a break. She hasn't preached in a long time, so I, I feel like it's really good for her to preach. Uh, but we're going to start a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Now, our church has a very interesting history regarding the Holy Spirit. Right? Earlier in our church history, we had really powerful moves of the Holy Spirit. When we were in our Shilim campus in Seoul, uh, we just only had one campus, and there would be about like 80 people, 100 people. The Holy Spirit would just come, and we could, you can, you can, it was, it was such a powerful time in our church. Uh, we, somebody would be preaching in the middle of the sermon, not even very powerful, or not very like, you know, but all of a sudden somebody would just start weeping, right? And and then we find out later on that Holy Spirit came upon her or him, by the way, um, and and they were like they were set free from all of these things just by being in our service, and it was just a powerful time. But even then, I believe that we had a we had and we operated in a limited understanding of the Holy Spirit. We felt like if there were people that fell on the ground and rolled around and like spoke in tongues, then the Holy Spirit was there. But if it wasn't like that, you know, maybe you know something was wrong. Um, and because our church defined the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit in such limited terms, our church actually went, kind of went off course a bit. And you guys know about all of the shaking that happened last year with our lead pastor stepping down. Um, and just a lot of the, the shaking and the thing that happened from last year and this year, or last year and the year before, um, we had this season where we actually pulled away from really talking about the Holy Spirit. Because we kind of attributed like all of the things that happened to this person or these people. And because there was so much manipulation and other abuse that was a part of our church culture, we kind of put, put a pause we believed in the Holy Spirit. We love love the Holy Spirit, but we didn't really preach, or we didn't really like kind of invite His presence sometimes, while we dealt with the hurt and the rubble that came after all the things that happened. Right? And so we thought it was important for us to not only learn more about the Holy Spirit, but to grow in our hunger and for a greater relationship with Him. And we hope that this series will bring that about. That we will that we will be stirred in us a hunger. To be relational and be, and relate and be connected to the Holy Spirit. So we read Acts chapter one, uh, verse one through five. I'll read it again. Uh, I'll read the parts that it's important. It says, "Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them, after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them." He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. You for John the Baptist, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And later on in that chapter, Jesus talks about that he that the Holy Spirit will empower you to go and to the ends of the earth to do what you what I have commanded you to do, to live the life that you that you've been commanded to live, and to spread the kingdom of God through every, every nation and every tongue, um, Jesus says that you have to wait for this Holy Spirit. And I believe that one of the most important books to read to learn about the Holy Spirit is the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit plays a pivotal role in the Acts of the Apostles and in the building up of the early, early, early church. They depended, heavily, they depended 
so heavily on the Holy Spirit, and we see it all over this book. And when you read the book of Acts, you see just how the apostles and the believers looked to, depended on, was led by, interacted with, you know, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we see it in Christ's instruction. He says, don't go anywhere, right? I'm about, I'm about to take off now, right? I have to go, but, but don't go anywhere. Right? Stay together, right? Don't go off on your own to do whatever you want to do. But stay together and wait for this Holy Spirit. Wait for the, for the, the promise that I gave you, of, of the promise of the Spirit of God. And, and they waited in that upper room. In the book of Acts, you see them wait uh, in the upper room, 120 of them. And, and, and all of a sudden, the room shakes. You know, imagine this room you know, filled with people. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, like, like winds and, and, you know, Holy Spirit comes. And then he, he fall, comes upon each one as tongues of fire. Um, and soon after that, you see the radical changes that happened to the disciples. Peter was a knucklehead, right? When you read the Gospels, he was a knucklehead. He gets rebuked by Jesus all the time, right? And, and, and he does things, and he, he, he sticks his foot in his mouth. And he wasn't very, you know, intelligent per se. Back then, if you didn't, if you weren't chosen by a rabbi to study under, it's so like Harry. I'm a rabbi. I pretend I have a beard. I don't know why all rabbis supposed to have beards or something. And I go to Harry and say, like, Harry, I want you to study under me. And then Harry would now be one of my pupils. He would be one of my disciples, right? But if Harry doesn't get chosen by a rabbi, what he would do is he would continue the work of his father. Like Jesus, Jesus continued the work of his father, who was a carpenter, Joseph, right, his earthly father, and he became a carpenter. In the same way, Peter was a fisherman, right? and so his father was probably a fisherman, and he was doing like menial labor um, to to you know make the ends meet. And he wasn't one of the the the, the people, the the higher pupils that were chosen by the different rabbis that would go around you know picking you know the young people to study under them, and and he was he was always you know he was this rash, you know, making all these mistakes. But all of a sudden, after the Holy Spirit comes upon them, immediately after that, he preaches a sermon that is so powerful that 3,000 people, 3,000 3, souls are added to, 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 the, to the body of Christ in one sermon. Imagine if you can do that. I know that there's some people around the world that, that, that do that now. They have these crazy crusades. You know, and, and they have like millions of people who gather, and all these thousands of people who come to see the Lord. And man, this is Peter, right? This is Peter. Right? He, you know, he's 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 the one that's always making the mistake, and then he just preaches his most powerful and eloquent sermon, and all of a sudden, all these people are added to the body of Christ. Paul, who was called Saul, hated Christians. Right? He was persecuting them, putting them in prison, and he was on the road to Damascus to do some more persecuting. And some more like imprisoning, and he was like, "Man, I can't believe those Christians. They believe like you know, because Christianity went against everything that he has studied for all his life." Right? Paul was like, if you if you can imagine in your scholastic world, he would be like he would be like a Harvard graduate. Right? He came out of the greatest rabbi, the teacher, uh, I, I forget what, a Gamaliel, and and he studied under him, and he he would have been like the cream of the crop of all the Pharisees. He would have known all of these scriptures memorized and the Old Testament, you know, he has it all memorized and he, he can recite it word for word and he has this, this, this religion, right, that he is so on fire for, like Judaism, and then Christianity comes and just spits in the face of Judaism. That's what it seems like to Paul. Christianity didn't do that. Christianity was, 
we're grafted in, right? But that's what Paul thinks. And so Paul is just persecuting, you know, he, he, he's putting them in prison, and then he's on his way to Damascus, and all of a sudden Jesus appears to him, and he goes blind. You know, I, I, I can imagine where he just, he was powerful, 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 and all of a sudden, this blinding light, he goes blind, he's humbled. And then and he's in this house, and God tells Ananias to go, and he says, I want you to go and see this guy. And then he's Saul, and, and he's like, no, I don't want to go there. I heard he persecute Christians. And God's like, go there anyways. And he goes to Saul, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came and sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he was... He rose and was baptized and taking food. He was strengthened for some days. He was with the disciples at Damascus. He says, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the Son of God. And you guys know that Saul will go go on and do amazing things for Jesus. He would suffer. He would plant churches. He would be persecuted. He would be beaten to to the point of death. He would be shipwrecked. He He would be shipwrecked multiple times, you know? Like he would, he would, you know, people would put him in prison and, and put him in shackles, and yet he continued to declare and proclaim the word of God. And we know that he's the one that wrote like a big chunk of the New Testament, right? The New Testament that you re- read, like there's the Gospels, but like about half of it is Paul's writing, right? You know, he is a scholar. Right? God gifted him with his mind, and and with his, with, and now that his mind is now being controlled by the Holy Spirit, instead of all of the things that were he was saying, like, you know, persecuting Christians, now that zeal was for, for declaring the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wrote it down, wrote these letters to these churches, strengthening them and encouraging them. And, and we know that this is all by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon him, and his life changes like 180 degrees. He goes a completely different direction. And we see the zeal that he lived. If you read his, if you read the book of Acts and if you read his epistles, like you see the zeal in which Paul lived his life. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like just like oh, let's just. He had he had a purpose. He had a plan. He he was he had a schedule. Holy and all of that came from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit say holy like Paul would say like Holy Spirit is telling me like that I'm gonna go back to Jerusalem and I'm gonna be killed, right? But I'm gonna follow him and I, and I'm gonna go. This is, this is the type of life that Paul lived being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all through the book of Acts, we see just how much the disciples interacted with the Holy Spirit. This, is, this isn't everything, but these are the instances that are found in the book of Acts that talk about and deal with the Holy Spirit. Acts 5, 32, it says, And we are witness to these things, and so, so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. I'm just going to tell you the, 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 the reading and not the, the reference. And the Spirit told me to go with them, uh, making no distinctions. And one of them, named these are all different passages, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this, this took place in the day of Claudius. Another one is, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. For this has been good to the Holy Spirit, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Uh, and they were, and they went through the region of Phygera Pi, Pi, and Galatia, having seen 
having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And, they, and when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to, the, and to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. It says, except that, the Holy, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. Paul said that. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he ordained with his own blood. And he, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? But Peter said to Ananias, by this, by, why has Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back the, for yourself the part of the proceeds of the land. Another one says, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Uh, in Acts 7 it says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Right. These just, do you can you guys just see, this is just a, not every part of the, the book of Acts that, that talk about the Holy Spirit. But do you just see just how important the Holy Spirit was to the apostles? He was vital. He was, he was vital to their ministry. He was vital in the way that they lived their lives. And do you see how exactly, how important the Holy Spirit was to the early church? They were constantly looking to Him, being guided by Him, being empowered by Him. And some of you guys might think, well, I come from a church that talked a lot about the Father, right? talked a lot about Jesus, but very little about the Holy Spirit. Right? And when a church that talks very little about a, of God, right? You know, the Holy Spirit is God. I'm going to talk about it later, but He, he is God. He is part of the Trinity. You're going to have a unbalanced and, and, and kind of like, you know, like not full picture and understanding of who God actually is. But here's the truth that must be stated. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't know and understand the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. Because when we read the Word of God, Holy Spirit leads us in our understanding and revelation. I saw non-Christians that would read the Bible. And I asked them, why are you reading the Bible? And they go, oh, it's a good story. You would have a copy of the New Testament and the book of Psalms or whatever, this little thing. And he would go, oh, these are good stories, man. But then, when you have the, the Spirit of God in you, you're able to actually like, like get from the Word of God the living Word. Right? He comes alive and the words become... There's part times where like God will convict me and I read a passage and I've read that passage like a thousand times. But one time I read it, it's like, oh, the Holy Spirit convicts me. Right? Holy Spirit leads me in a certain way. We would not have the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. There would be no revelation. There would be like... The, the Word of God would actually be like dangerous and almost lethal without the Holy Spirit because in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so the Holy Spirit leads us in the Word of God. There would be no love without the Holy Spirit. There would be love, no love, joy, patience, peace, you know, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. There would be none of that. You know, we, we would have pale compared, like small like fragments of stuff like that from the world, but without the Holy Spirit... And the gift of the Holy Spirit that grows in us and from His 
Him being in us, we wouldn't have all of this love and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Without the Holy Spirit, Christianity becomes very dry. It becomes monotonous. It becomes mundane. Without Him, the church would become like a social club or a religious institute. And we've seen that. I've been a part of churches like that. I've been a part of churches where it seemed like it was it was just a get-together. There would be none of the leading of the Spirit of God in the congregation. Without the Holy Spirit, we would have no freedom. The freedom that we have in Christ comes from the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, this passage is a bit confusing because we know that God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. And so, you know, that, does that mean that freedom is everywhere? No. I believe a good way to, to read this passage, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, is where the, where, the, where the Spirit of God is Lord, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. When you see the Spirit of God as Lord, there is freedom in your life. When you see, this, when you see God and he, and he is Lord of your life, and you're being led by the Spirit of the Lord for your life, then there is freedom. Do you see the Holy Spirit as Lord? Is He the Spirit of your Lord and King, your everything, or is He the Spirit of an idea? Is He the Spirit of a concept? The Holy Spirit is vital in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. Holy Spirit testifies about what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is. We have an understanding of Jesus Christ because Holy Spirit leads our hearts and our minds and our wills in the direction of Christ. It's important that we not only know about the Holy Spirit or the works of the Spirit, but that we know Him intimately. Like we know, like our friends, like Jacques knows Miranda, like I know Mina, like I know my kids. We have to know the Holy Spirit intimately. One of the big mistakes that Christians make is that they they want to know the works of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, without really actually knowing the Holy Spirit. I believe our church kind of went through this a season like this in our past, where we would we when we would have a retreat, we would want like, okay, the Holy Spirit has to come, and it's going to be great, and people are going to be jumping up and down during service, and lights are going to flick, and we're going to right. And, 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 but but we didn't actually like know what it was to like know the Holy Spirit and who He is in our lives. So we have to know Him. We have to intimately know God. This is God, right? And we have to know Him. So I want to ask you a question today: Who is the Holy Spirit? Sorry, I don't have any PowerPoints, but my computer has gone bonkers, right? So this is like I turn it on and it turns off and on, off and on, off and on. It's going crazy. I couldn't bring it today to give you guys a. The, the slides. But who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is number one. He's a person. A lot of people out there see the Holy Spirit as a supernatural entity, this influence that is out there over the world floating around. They see Him as a feeling. They see Him as more of an it than a he. Holy Spirit, His pronoun is a he. He's a person. He is the Holy Spirit. 
It's not, it's not an it. Right? A lot of people is it, you know, talk about Holy Spirit as an it, but he is a person. He's not a commodity that you, they can take and possess. Right? People that think this way, they will say things like, I want more of the Holy Spirit. They go to conferences so that they can get impartations, so that they can have more of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is a person, and when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the whole Holy Spirit in you. Jesus said, I, I'm this, the, the helper, right? this, the comforter, the, this, the Holy Spirit that I send you, right? he's going to be in you, right? you. We don't just have a piece of the Holy Spirit. He's not like this big chocolate bar in the sky, and we just have one of those, like, like a square of the Holy Spirit in us. We don't have like a, a junior mint like version of the Holy Spirit. We have the person, the deity of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus Christ, the same Holy Spirit that was in the apostles, the same Holy Spirit that was at creation is in us. That has to be a reality in your mind. Is that a reality in your mind? Do you see the Holy Spirit in that way? Or do you see more like a feeling? Oh, I had this feeling and the Holy Spirit made me feel this way. Uh... Is he an influence? Oh, I, I feel like... Or is he a person that you talk to and that you're intimate with? He's a person. And we have to see him as a person who is infinitely holy, infinitely wise and powerful. At the same time, he's tender, he's sensitive, he's loving. He has the same characteristics of God and Jesus because he is God. He's just different from the Father. And he's just different. He has a different purpose than Jesus. The same authority and the power that Jesus has, the same authority that the power that the Father is all, he is part of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He's worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our adoration, our love, our devotion, and our complete surrender. And when we understand him to be this infinite majesty, glory, like holy, all wisdom and power uh, person that is living in us, right? and, and that, that he, he agreed with the Father and the Son so that he can come to earth and, and reside in us, right? this humbles us and it transforms us. People that see the Holy Spirit as an influence or a divine entity or a commodity will say, I want more of the Holy Spirit. But people that understand him to be the, the mighty God person that he is, and then know him in, a, in relationship, will say, how much more of myself can I give to the Holy Spirit? That's the difference. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. How much of my life and myself am I going to surrender to the Holy Spirit? It's not about, it's not about you know, possessing, like, and I have you know, this much it's Holy Spirit water, so I just want to, I'm going to put like, I have that much of the Holy Spirit in me, and then next week I'm going to go and I'm going to have a little more of the Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit is in you. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He is in you and He is capable of leading your life and, 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 and guiding you and, and, and directing you into the perfect will of the Father. Right? But it's, the question is, how much of yourself are you surrendering to the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit has a will. He's a person. The Bible says that He has a mind. That he thinks. The Spirit has a will. He has emotions. He can be grieved. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And I have t- there's times in my life where I have grieved the Holy Spirit. And one time I was preaching and I said something and I could feel like, oh, you've grieved me, right? 
I felt it. Like I was being like I was being obnoxious or whatever, like you know, offensive. So people, I'm not that offensive anymore. Like people used to say that I'm very offensive. I would say something and I felt it in my spirit. Like, Holy Spirit was like, oh, you grieve me. I could, I could feel it. Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be, he can be insulted. He comforts us. He speaks. He teaches us. He's a, he has all of the capacities of a person, and we have to see him in this way. And, we, and just like a person can have a relationship, Holy Spirit, he, 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 he desires relationship with us. So number one is Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, Holy Spirit is God. I think you guys all know this, but he's the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity. In Genesis, God says, let us make man in our own image. Us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the fundamental doctrines of the faith, Christian faith, is the Trinity. God, three in one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God always was this way. There wasn't a time where God was just one, and then he like, you know, like one day he just, and he became three, right? You know, like those cartoons where they like metamorphosize or whatever. Like, there's just one God, and then and then bang, and then all of a sudden there's three. There's always the Father, the Son, and the Holy. That's God. Always since eternity, right? That's relationship. That's why relationship is so important in the kingdom of God because relationship always existed in the Trinity: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's a relationship. Right? And God always was. He was always this way. Acts 10:38. It gives us a view of, of this relationship. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So God is a father. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. They worked together for the will of God to be done. At Jesus' baptism. Remember when you read Jesus' baptism. Jesus comes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as he comes out of the water, what happens? The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And then the Father says from heaven, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This is the this is a relationship for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons in one. A good example of this is water. Like, let me drink some more water. Water can have three forms, right? It could be liquid, steam, or vapor, or it can be ice, solid, right? Liquid, vapor, solid, right? But they all have the same molecular makeup, right? If you look at ice under a, a whatever microscope, it's still going to be H2O, right? And you take steam and you just look it up on whatever the, the little machines that look at the, micro, the, 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 you know, like the atoms and whatever, it's still going to be H2O, the molecules, right? It, 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 that's like God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but is one God. He is one, but he is three. He is God. He, the Holy Spirit is God. He's actually the first member of the Godhead that appears in the Bible. Right? Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So he was at creation, but he was a different part of God, of the Godhead, of the Father Luke 11.20, other gospel writers, when they talk about this, they talk about the Spirit of God, but Luke records it here as the finger of God. He says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit 
is seen here as a finger of God. He's, he's the manifester of God's will. Is this like making my shirt fly up? Oh, yeah. Um, he is the manifester of God's will. The Father, he, 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 he's, he's like the one that forms the, the thought, and then Jesus declares it. He's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. He manifests it into creation. It's like my finger, right? My mind tells me to do this, right? And then my finger does this. It, it, it means, but my finger is still a part of me, right? This is me, right? In the same way, God, Holy Spirit, He's the part of God that works the works God's will out. Jesus is the Word of God. He came to declare the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is God who manifests the plans of God. In creation, He set the stars in the sky. Psalm 8:3. When you consider your our heavens and the works of your finger, fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. And Adam, when he was created, it says God breathed the breath of life into him. The breath of life in the, in, in the Hebrew is ruach, right? It's like breath, right? But it's actually the spirit. It's the spirit of God that he breathed life into, into Adam. He's the hands-on aspect of God. And if we want to see God correctly, we have to see the Holy Spirit correctly. He's God. He's God. He's not just, just a feeling that we have. He's not just like something that we can possess and make other people feel like, like, oh, I pray for this person and they fall. I have more of the Holy Spirit in me. He's not like this commodity that we could try to, to like, you know, like make ourselves, build ourselves out with. He is God in us. And, we, and if we don't see Him correctly, we're going to miss what the plans and the, and the will that God has for us. He's not just an influence, right? He's not just a, a, a personal fortune cookie or a magic eight ball that we, that we possess. God, the Holy Spirit, you know, I feel like, no, he's God in you, right? It leads me to my next point. My point, third point is the Holy Spirit is God here on earth. A lot of times we say things that seem biblical, but it's really not. We say that God is everywhere and that Jesus is in my heart. But the Father is not here on earth. He is seated at the right hand of God. I mean, he's seated in heaven, right? Whenever Jesus talks about the Father, the Father in heaven. Father is in heaven. Right? And then Jesus, he's, where is he right now? He's at the right hand of God. He's the person of Jesus. He's not here on earth. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. When Stephen is martyred, he looks up at, 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 at the sky and he says, Behold, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of, of God. And Jesus is actually right now seated at the right hand of God. Some of us say, Jesus is in my heart. Well, if you truly believe that Jesus came in the flesh, right, that he had skin and bone, right, and he had hair and a body, right, Right, this this doesn't really make sense. One of the great heresies of the early church came from the Gnostics. Right, the Gnostics were believers that still held on to their Gnostic beliefs, and the Gnostics believed that flesh was evil. Right? Anything of the flesh was evil. So Jesus could not have come in the flesh; he could only be a spirit. So they believed that Jesus, although you could see him, was like a spirit. Right? He was a spirit. But we know from First John four it says, "By this you know the spirit of God." Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. 
And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And so if you truly believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, we believe that, right? That's a part of our gospel, that he came in the flesh. It would be illogical to believe that he is in our heart. Jesus became a man. He's still a man. He didn't ascend and become like this, like, you know, this, like this floaty thing that floats up in the east. There's a man. I say this a lot, but there's a man seated in heaven. He's a man. He looks, he looks exactly the way that he looked on earth. I want to know what he looks like, right? And some people say he's not that good looking. I don't know, right? But he's, I definitely know he's not the Jesus on those paintings, right? Long hair and the, and the abs, right? He's, you know, he's hanging on the cross. Like, like he's like a weightlifter, like, you know? I believe that's not Jesus. I believe Jesus, you know, he's a humble man, and he's still up there. You know, I mentioned the hairs in his arm. He probably has a lot of hairs on his arms, right? It's like Jews have hair in their eyes. He has a beard. He's in, seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not on this earth. Who is on this earth? It's the Spirit of God that is on this earth. If you truly believe that he became a man, right? because he referred himself to as a son of man, and Jesus is in heaven, and as Jesus ascended, he told us that the Father would send to us the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And then he is the one that is in our midst. The God that we have in this world, doing everything, he's manifesting the will of God, is the Holy Spirit. He is in us. And all of us, that the ones that, we put, that put their faith in Jesus Christ, Spirit of God is in us, and He is the one that will manifest the will of God in our life and in the world around us. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to John 14. If you guys have a Bible, John 14. I'll read verses 15 to 18. Fifteen through 18. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I want you to remember these words. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it, it neither sees him nor, or, nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus says that he will give us another helper. This is another instance where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will give us another helper. What does he mean by another helper? Well, in the Greek, there's two kinds of words for another. There's heteros and alos. Right? Heteros means another of a different kind. So if uh, Janelle here, I give you a peach, and then you eat that peach, and then you're like, can I get another? And I give you a banana. I gave you a fruit, but it's just another kind of that fruit. That's heteros. That's a different form of the word another in the Greek language. But the other word is alos, and alos means the same, another of the same kind. If I, if I give you a piece, you eat that piece, and I give you another piece, I gave you alos of fruit, right? another fruit of the same kind. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, I'm sending you another helper, meaning that Jesus, Holy Spirit that comes is the same Holy Spirit as Jesus. He, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in essence the same. So if you're talking to the Holy Spirit, Right? And if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you're actually being led by Jesus. You know, people say like, oh, I wish Jesus was here so that I can ask him all these questions. I would ask him like, oh, you know, this and that. But you can through the Holy Spirit. He is in you. 
And he wants to talk with you. He wants to communicate with you. Jesus said in six, uh, John 16, 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for, for your good that I am going away unless I go away. The Advocate, which will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. He's saying, it's good that I go away. It's good that I go and I'm, I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to be up there. I'm going to intercede for you. But you know what? I'm going to send you a helper, another helper of the same kind, to come upon this earth and be with you. He is the same kind, that alos of Jesus. And let's look at the word helper. Right? Helper, in the, in the Greek, is parakletos. Right? This is actually... A word, two words brought together. Para means very, very close. Paul uses his word to talk about Timothy. Timothy and Paul were very close. And then kleos, right, actually means calling or to beckon. Right? This is the same word that the, the disciples would use to talk about their callings in life. Right? And so as Jesus puts these words together, right, when you when Jesus Jesus is telling us that the Holy Spirit is permanently called. To be by your side in us, to guide us, to coach us, to be our advocate, our helper. Parakletos means he means like a lawyer that, that that pleads for somebody. He's a helper. He's like a coach. So we have this Holy Spirit who is permanently called to be by our side, to be with us and to lead us and to be our coach, to be our advocate, to be the one that leads us and guides us and empowers us to live the life that he wants us to live. This is the Holy Spirit's calling. He is God on earth. His assignment is in this world. And he, he does it permanently. Because remember earlier it said forever. Remember? He will be with you forever. And he's here to help us, to, to guide us, to lead us. He said, he, I, will, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Well, he left, but he sent us his spirit to be with us. And we can be in the presence of Jesus when the Holy Spirit is in us. He is God in us here on this earth. And yet many times we ignore Him. We grieve Him. The God of the universe is in us, and yet we treat Him like we would treat an appliance or a tool. He deserves our surrender. He deserves all of us. He deserves our attention. Imagine if Barack Obama, I don't know if you like him or not, but imagine if Barack Obama was in your house and you're just playing video games, right? If, if Barack Obama was in my house, I'd be talking to him. I'm like, dang, what was it like? Like, like can I just get your autograph? You know, like, you know, like, like, can we share a beer together? I don't know. Like, let's do something. Let's hang out. Like, there'd be amazing things that people would do with him. They say they have so much fun with Barack Obama. I want to have that fun with Barack Obama. But imagine if Barack Obama is sitting in my house and I'm just playing video games. I'm just completely ignoring him. That's what a lot of us, we do with the Holy Spirit. We, we, we relate to God incompletely. Do you understand? We relate to Him. You know, we want to relate to God, but we do not relate to Him in the way that we relate to Him completely. But we go to Him incompletely. I want to end with this point, and it's this. And the fourth point is that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus dependent was dependent dependent on the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was taught by the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't do one miracle until he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
He was led by the Spirit. John 14.10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Who is the Father that dwells in him? It's the Spirit of the Father. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus looked to the Spirit to do what he did, how are we not going to recognize the Holy Spirit? His presence in our lives to live the way that God wants us to live. He is God in us. And we have to see Him, depend on Him, be led by Him. He's called the Holy Spirit 96 times in the Bible. He's called the Spirit of the Lord 28 times. The Spirit of God 26 times. He's called Eternal Spirit. He's called the Helper, the Comforter. He's called Lord. He's called the Holy One. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's spirit of Jesus Christ, spirit of counsel, the spirit of your Father, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of glory, the spirit of grace, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of burning, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of life, the spirit of love. He's the spirit of might, the spirit of power, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of a sound mind, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of holiness. And he's the spirit of the Holy God. That is him. That is Him. He is God. And He is in us. He is in me. To manifest the will of the Father and the Word of God, who is Christ. Right? Christ is the Word of God. And to bring into us the fullness of the life that God has. He is God and He is in us and He is the Holy Spirit. We have to see Him for who He is and we have to learn to give ourselves to Him. Allow more of us to be led by Him. It says to obey Him. Acts 5.32 And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. You guys talk about, well, how can I, you know, how can I be, have more of the Holy Spirit? How can I be empowered by the Holy Spirit? How can I, uh, you know, like, I want, I want to, you know, I want Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit is in you. And you know what He does? He asks, like, obey me. There's times in your life where, where, where you're at that crossroad and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He's like, hey, do the right thing. Or, or, or not just good and wrong. There's sometimes the choice is good or the choice is God. And the Holy Spirit will say, no, I want you to choose the will of God. And, and it's to obey. Sometimes obeying Him is not easy. Sometimes obeying Him is the hardest thing that you will do in your life. Sometimes obeying, you would rather obey Him you would rather, you know, like, you know, jump off a cliff than obey him sometimes. Like there's, there's t- things in your life where, where, where there's, it's such a struggle. But then the way that we manifest the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is through obedience. And we start to obey him in the areas of our lives that he's leading. And it's sometimes they're very small. Sometimes it's, should I get mad at this guy or not? Today I was driving here and this dude, this taxi is in front of me. And right when the, the, the light, the turn light turns green, he chooses to put on his blinker and, and pull over to the side, right? Blocking my car. I have a pretty big car, so I can't go anywhere. Car's on my right side. And I'm just looking at this guy. I was like, why didn't you do this earlier, right? Why did you have to wait till the light turns green? And so I honked. And I honked. I was like, eh, eh. And he didn't move. And so I was like, eh. 
And then, I, and then I could feel the anger start to build in me. And then what happened was the car behind me honked, right? It was a different sounding honk. And the guy realized there was all these cars behind me and he left, right? And I, at that moment, I had a choice. I, ha- I could have, but you know what? I, I could sense, I can like, Holy Spirit was, was talking to me like, hey, you could get mad and you could get angry at this dude or you could just let it go and forgive this guy. There's so many times in our lives where we're given a choice of, of following your flesh, following the, the feeling that comes up, or following the Word of God and the will of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us in this. And sometimes it's those small things. Sometimes they're big decisions. Sometimes they're decisions that can actually alter your life. But the way that we empower the Holy Spirit in our lives is not to pray. Like more of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. It's not like, you know, like you could... If you really want to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, it's through obedience. It's through obedience. It's, there's no way, shape of, about it. There's no quick fix to Holy Spirit empowering your life and, 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 and transforming your life without obedience. You can, you, can, you can try. You can try to feel the Holy Spirit all you want. You can, you can praise and you can sing and, and, and do all of these things. And the Holy Spirit will say, okay, now obey me. Oh, I don't want to. I'll read the Bible. I'll read the Bible. Uh, you read the Bible. And the Bible tells you, obey me. Ah, and then you, oh, I'll pray. And then you pray to God. You're like, Father, Holy Spirit, God, like I pray that you will help me. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit leaves. Like, obey me. And it's in that place of obedience where we're empowering the Holy Spirit to take a hold of our lives. To do the will of God. He's the man, he's a finger of God. He's the manifester of the will of God here on this earth. Brothers and sisters, I want this series for us and for our church to be people in a church that surrender to the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. For us to be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not about having more of the Holy Spirit in us. But it's surrendering more of ourselves to Him, surrendering control of our lives so His power can be at work in us. Romans 8.11 If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The same power, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. What are, how are we relating to Him? How are we dealing with Him? How are we relating and understanding Him? And how are we in relationship with Him? Because brothers and sisters, without the Holy Spirit, right, our Christian life, we can still believe in Jesus Christ, but we can still easily go down paths that are just wrong for us. Right? How many people know Christians that backslide? I, I know plenty of Christians. I was one of them. I backslided really badly, right? Basically fell off the, you know, the truck, you know. But what led me back is the Holy Spirit. I remember the time when the Holy Spirit. I was at a, I was at a, I was at a, I was at a one of those prayer meetings, and then it, it, it was obedience and it was surrender. It was like I want God. I wanna, I, I wanna have the kind of relationship that I had during the past. And then He was like, Well, you have to, you have to obey me. You have to like, really, you have to really put action behind the feelings that you have. And at that moment, as my heart, I could feel, I can, I can 
you can sense Holy Spirit coming to me and telling me like, hey, this is the this is the way. You have to surrender this. You have to let this go, and you have to make this choice of obedience. And, and I, I was like, okay. And then at that moment, as I truly made that decision, and I truly said, okay, God, I surrender this part of my life. And I, I, don't, I don't even know what it was, but it was something that was keeping me from like really being in God's presence fully. And then as I did that, I remember just just, just feeling of the Holy Spirit. This is, I could just sense his power, and he was just like, came upon me, and I, I I remember like 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 screaming. I was like ah, I don't know. We used to be a church like that. We still are. I remember, ah, and then and then you know when I was in high school, I got to give tongues. Right, high school, I had this just a little story. I went to this this retreat, and this this Bible study teacher took us to Vineyard Church. Right, and then Vineyard Church is very charismatic. And then I remember uh, that that retreat, four of us got radically transformed for the Lord. Four of us would come to church at 9 in the morning, sit through our service, hang out, pray. We would go to morning prayer meeting, four of us in this room praying. We would leave, and then we would go to Vineyard Church at night to worship. And, and, and in that time, I got to give the tongues. And then uh, I remember back then, I said, you know, but then I had this big gap in my life where I like turned away from the Lord, you know, and drugs and all those crazy things, and like fell away from God. And then I came back to the Lord, and there was this moment at this prayer meeting, and I remember saying, God, I, I, what, I surrender it to you. I remember saying, I surrender it to you, and I will be obedient. And at that moment, right, I, 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 could, I could, like, Holy Spirit was on me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? I could feel His presence inside of me. And all of a sudden, I started pre- speaking in tongues again. I didn't even want to speak in tongues at that moment, but I just remember, like, ah, and it just came out of my mouth. And then I remember, I remember like, hey, I used to have the gift of tongues. And he gave me this memory of, of me sitting in this prayer meeting, four high school kids. We were 17, sitting, four of us, sitting in this room. And all the other kids are outside playing basketball. And sitting in this room, praying, praying in tongues and, 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 and seeking out the Lord for hours because we love Jesus so much. And then God, Holy Spirit gave me that, that realization. I said, oh, this is, as I obeyed, He revealed to me the path. He, re- he revealed to me where I used to be. He revealed to me where I was going to go. He revealed to me like, this, this, this thing in my heart that wanted to come out, but it only can come out as I obeyed Him in that place of obedience. I want our church to be a church that, that is led by the Spirit of God, that understands and hungers after the Spirit of God. Because He is God. And, and, and we can't ignore him. And we can't put him on the shelf. So Holy Spirit sometimes can be very embarrassing. I remember when we started our church, we used to be very charismatic. And we, when we first started, it was in this building. And then we would have maybe like 30 people come out. And all of a sudden, one day, there would be like 20 newcomers. And it's packed. And we're like, wow, all these newcomers. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit would come. And people would cry, fall on the ground. The preacher would preach for them, and they would like all oh, manifest and all this stuff, and then those newcomers would never come back again, right? And so Holy Spirit can can be a little bit jarring at times. He can he can he can be, you know, he, he can reveal the part of your heart that you may not want to see. But we can't put him on the shelf. We have to allow him to be the, the plumb line, the focus of our life. And if we do that, we're going to continue to live the life that he has for us. Let's all stand up. Let's pray. Let's close today's worship.